Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But essential quality is the son of a sire named Tappet, who has been kind of like the leading sire in America for a number of years. And he's already sired three winners of the Belmont. Oh, so, uh, so bred for distance. Essential yeah, quality has got those mile and a half genes. He's got a top trainer in Brad Cox. Uh, so that's my pick. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And there's really no point in me talking for a while as long as we have the king of the world, Andy Beyer, with us. <laughs> that's two out of three. And I know you didn't love essential quality in the in the Kentucky Derby and ran away from him when you made the right pick with Medina Spirit but how did you feel about this horse as you watched and that was a the last quarter was so great I loved watching it how did you feel as the race unfolded well uh, <clears throat> I mean he was the favorite so I was not uh, emotionally invested or financially invested as I was in the Derby I, I watched this as a fan and uh, uh, you know I don't think people real most people in racing seem to realize yet how terrific this Belmont was uh, the these uh, the, I mean the top two horses uh, 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 both ran tremendous races. The 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 buyer speed figure uh, for this race of 109 was the best in the Belmont uh, since 2003. Uh, uh, these these uh, the top two horses. Uh, both ran faster in our estimation than the Triple Crown winners, American Pharaoh, wow. uh, and Justify did in any of their three Triple Crown wins. That's how good it was. So yeah, I was watching it. I loved it. Just loved watching the race. I I've said this many times before. I think the NBC production, the hour, hour and a half right before the Belmont is brilliantly conceived. They go from person to person to tape to live. It's just really well done. And the race set up beautifully. It was a gorgeous day. The last quarter, these two horses are head to head. And I know this is going to sound stupid, Andy, but because Essential Quality is a big gray horse, you know, you always know when he's making a move. Right. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming that when, when it was a two-horse race, you had a certain amount of confidence in Essential Quality. Yeah, but the other horse wasn't giving up either. Uh, I mean, Hot Rod Charlie is a fighter. Uh, uh, but I, I think this, you know, I, after this race proved to be so good, um, uh, you know, you can go back and look at the Triple Crown and re-examine it. And, and my, my conclusion is that although I gave myself a lot of credit uh, for 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 picking the the twelve to one Derby winner, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, I was lucky. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the this race showed how good essential quality is, and um, in in the uh, in the Derby, uh, uh, he he was parked wide almost all the way around the track. Uh, while uh, 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 while my horse Medina Spirit was on the ra near the rail saving ground, and the post race data showed that essential quality traveled like sixty feet farther than uh, uh, Medina Spirit did, which is like about six lengths. Now I think stats like that can sometimes be uh, uh, misleading, but in fact. Essential uh, quality did improve by about six lengths in the Belmont, and so I look back uh, at uh, uh, you know at my intellectual triumph of picking Medina Spirit. I was plenty lucky if uh, uh, if essential quality hadn't had that tr tough trip. Uh, I mean, he he would have won the Derby. Medina Spirit would have lost. Uh, and now flash forward to the Belmont and the way it was run. The uh, 
Hot Rod Charlie's best previous race of his life was one where he had gone to the front and fought to the you know fought for the lead all the way. That was in the Louisiana Derby, and he ran a really gutsy race. So the the trainer decided, well, we're we're going to do that again. And so he when the gate opened, uh, uh, he he blasted out. Uh, and another horse in the race had the same idea, rock your world. And the two of them ran a, you know, the first quarter mile uh, in Very at, a fast. Pace, at a pace that was breathtaking. We remember yeah. Secretariat leading all the way in the Belmont. They ran much faster the first quarter mile than Secretariat. And meanwhile, Essential Quality was kind of sitting, you know, you know, you know, was stalking the lead. I mean, letting them bat each other's heads in, and uh, you know, and and then he, when he made his move, uh, Hot Rod Charlie should have been ready to to fold, but Hot Rod Charlie just kept fighting back, and uh, you know, he lost he lost by a length, but I mean, it was a terrific effort, and I think most. I think most handicappers would look at this race and say uh, Hot Rod Charlie gave the better performance. Uh, I mean, they were both very good, but he he really earned the A plus for effort in in this race. So if if the race had ridden, uh, run more truly, uh, all the uh, Derby races had been. Uh, I'm sorry, all the Triple Crown races had run, been running in a different way. I would have had my usual uh, uh, Triple Crown record of going 0 for 3. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll set for the two winners. Uh, yeah. Well, you got 2 for 3, and I'll get you out of here on this. So many people have, of course, emailed us thanking you for your pick, and they bet with you. Did you bet this horse alone, or did you bet it in combination, and did you have a good day? I, 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 th- th- this one, uh, there, there was no, I mean, the exacta paid $15 for two, oh. so, so there was kind of no, you know, there, there was no great money to be made. I, I, I bet a trifle, I, uh, uh, you know, the, the, bell, uh, the, the derby was my race this year. Andy, thanks so much. We appreciate it. I'm glad you won. Thank you, Andy. Oh. Andy Byer, boys and girls. Two out of three. Two out of three is pretty good. And Andy's right. He usually gets nothing right on the Triple Crown, but it's always a pleasure to have him. Uh, Michael is here back from his trip. Michael went to South Carolina. I went to Delaware for a couple of days. Um, Anything extraordinary happened that you want to talk about? Well, this was our first trip through the airport, and it was not as terrifying to sort of do the whole mask up, get, get in line, get on the plane. The boys were wonderful on both flights. A little scary for Walker because he, he used to love sitting at the airport watching all of the trucks and all of the loading, unloading, all the buzzing around. And he was nervously shaken just sort of walking through all those people. But, you know, it was very comforting. I told you before we went on, it's okay to fly again. And I think yeah. that's a that's a really big turning point. One big piece of... Uh, one big piece of luggage, though, didn't make the return flight, mm. which uh, meant that I stayed up very late last night just nervously waiting to get that email from a certain airlines that my golf clubs had actually been Ooh. identified, found, and not just laying out on the tarmac in Savannah, Georgia, baking. <laughs> Glad you got them. Glad you will get well, them. Well, don't have them yet. Well, they'll deliver them. Um, I played golf a few times. I am now a really bad golfer. I can't break 95. Well, you've always been a, r- a really bad golfer. Yeah, but so. I, used to, I used to break 90 every once in a while. Now I can't even break 95, which is bad. Speaking of golf, we're not going to get to this. Well, I we might get to a little bit with Wilbon because he cares. Lexi Thompson, what a gag yesterday. She's minus eight with a four-shot lead making the turn in the U.S. Women's Open and gives back five shots on the back. This is what happens at Olympic. Five shots. So go back to the first hole. She has about, what, eight feet for eagle. Yeah. Barely Barely misses. No, barely hits the putter face, though. Right, so, I mean, right. And she sort She's of not a good putter. Brandel Chambly was no, doing was going, this for an hour I'm last surprised. Night. They, went, they went after her. And I know you have to. That's part of the job. But Chambly went after her in the, in the, yeah. in live from the U.S. Open. I'm not saying he's wrong either, because the, the women who were on with him said yes. No, but it's encouraging because she is such a talent with every other facet of her game, and you think there is technology out there that can help you with this. She almost missed the ball. 
But how about the playoff? Um, the playoff was wonderful. The playoff was wonderful to watch. I was in a very bad mood because of the Washington Nationals, because they stink beyond words. L l let's be honest about this. The hitting coach should be fired, and the pitching coach should be fired. You bring in, um, what's that guy's name, Finnegan, and he, he just walks in two runs with bases loaded. You know, what, what, you're the pitching coach. What are you telling him? How are you preparing him for this? You should be fired. Hitting coach, so pitching coach. So at that point, coach. the game's already over to me. It's the no, they're only, down, they're only down two at that okay, point. Okay, but it's the top of the third. They have a chance to break the game open, and you have your big offseason acquisitions are striking Bell out. Bell and Schwarber strike out. And before you get those, those bases loaded walks, you have just the quirkiest little sun angles, ba balls bouncing out of gloves that only seem to happen to a losing team. They're just they're a last-place team, and they ought to shake it up. They ought to fire some people, and if that doesn't work, they ought to go higher. Because Bell and Schwarber have failed. They have failed. Tanner Rainey comes in last night. You know, hadn't seen him in a week happily. Comes in and immediately reminds me why I hate him so much. Comes in like <laughs> a summer storm. Three runs right away. Yeah. You know, um, Finnegan couldn't get anybody out when he was in there. And even when they score a few runs, it, it's, it's fruitless. It's just fruitless. Uh, they... I don't know. It was a bummer to see Austin both have to come out early. Got hit in the face. What is the other pitcher doing hitting the pitcher in the face? It's one of those weird things. I know it was not intentional, but you really? want to say, you hit him in the face? Okay, you're coming out of the game. You're down a pitcher, too. Throw them out, like in hockey. Just remove him. But yeah, throwing out, you know, DQing somebody, forcing them to withdraw seems a bit drastic, but, you know, try and level the playing. You didn't like the Rom decision at all. I, I, it's that, it's a tough catch 22 they uh they kicked john rom out faster than if you had tried to say let's go brooksy to uh, bryson DeChambeau. no they, they, they followed the rules they can defend themselves into the long hours but your day. solution was interesting tell the people your solution how would you have let him play i just wish they would have tried to come up with some solutions because the science gives us actual data points as to how we can safely be around somebody who has a who has a positive test so whether that was sending him out I don't know, as a single early in the morning. First before, person out. Before anyone else teed up, having... Let him maybe, put a score up. Maybe have Jack Nicholas be his marker driving around in a golf cart, tending the flag swim, just so you can try and have a tournament that resembles something full. And I understand the arguments about the competitive, you know, equity that you want to maintain and trying to see leaders going off around each other. Okay, put him out in the last group and have, uh, you know, Cantlay and Morikawa go out as a two ball right behind him so they can at least see what he's doing hole by hole. At this point, you shouldn't be worried about pace of play. And it's just this weird thing where he was already under the strict protocol where he was not allowed to go inside. He had limited access to everything. So if you were able to say his playing partners that that day did not pass the I, the exposure level where they had to then go into contact tracing themselves, you probably could have figured out a way to keep him on the grounds to at least post a number. They seemed much more comfortable having fans running around screaming and, you know, drinking as many beers as they could yelling at people rather than trying to, to play a golf tournament. But again, this is not just the tour. This is state guidelines. This is CDC recommendations. But you'd want to say, we have the data. Let's try and see how we can come up with a solution, even if we're doing it on the fly. By the way, speaking of uh, boisterous behavior, Nigel, you're European. Where was that soccer game played yesterday between the United States and Mexico? Uh, I believe that was in Mexico, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm asking. It, it I'm was asking, in Denver. It, oh, in Denver, Denver, in the United or, States. Denver, yes. Or Denver. How, yeah. did it, how did it happen that... that Mexican fans were throwing bottles onto the field constantly. How did that happen? I mean, you know, it was really bad. Just throwing bottles, not like the old FedEx FedEx field situation where yes. they were turning the old beer bottles into knives. No, they were just throwing bottles. The but they're throwing bottles. bottles, you know, and they're you know, they're just it's terrible. It was, that was just terrible. Terrible. Um and I think that they were the Mexican fans. I think it came from their particular corner of the stadium. It was a home game for the United States, but for some reason it was played in, in Denver, right, Sean? Why was it played in Denver? Um, uh, I think that it just that Protocols? tournament, they're playing it in the United States. The, the oh, the CONCACAF? Yes. Yeah. That's the limit of my soccer yep. knowledge, and I probably got that wrong. We will take a break. We will come back. Michael Wilbon will join us. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Simply Safe ad. Remember the feeling you got as a kid of getting tucked into bed or the feeling you now get in the arms of somebody you love, safe and secure. It's a feeling of security that only comes through a human connection. And that's why the people at Simply Safe Home Security is so important. 
Of course, Simply Safe has an award-winning system that has all the tech, technology bells and whistles you'd expect these days. But the people at Simply Safe really take it to the next level. They are there around the clock anytime you need them. And the thing is, Simply Safe just makes it so easy. It takes about two minutes to customize a system on their website, simplysafe.com/tony. Whether it's a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency, a burst pipe, or even a problem while you're setting up the system, Simply Safe has a person with the expertise you need ready to help 24-7. And when you know there's always someone there to help, well, that's just a feeling you don't get with any old security system. So Simply Safe has stopped writing about how much people care. This is a little bit more subtle. This is closer to very good. Don't you think, Michael? This is closer to very good. I, I always praise if the copy is done well and people are trying something, I praise it. To learn more about how Simply Safe can protect you and your family, visit simplysafe.com slash Tony. And simply is spelled a little bit oddly, S-I-M-P-L-I. You probably see the signs. I have them in my neighborhood. Simplysafe.com slash Tony today to customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That is simplysafe.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is James Mathis, who writes, Long time, first time. I've been waiting to send something from my most recent recording sessions. Started this album in February of 2020. I've yet to return to the studio to finish. That being said, here's a couple of songs off his forthcoming EP, Bat Country Music. The first song, which we're playing now, is Chavez, which he wrote in the backseat of a silver Honda Civic on the way to a local radio station. He goes under the name of Zoltan, with two Zs. James Mathis does Zoltan. This is called Chavez. It's being used to play Michael Wilbon in. Wilbon, we need to start with this. Wilbon's been away for a long time, and Wilbon got back and heard the familiar sound of cicadas and got to look at cicadas. Tell us your feeling about cicadas. I'll just tell you this. I, um, you know, it's hot. The whole country is hot right now. And the whole country, is, just a week ago, we're talking about record low temperatures throughout the east. And I was in Arizona, and um, when you started this whole, it's going to be triple digits there. <laughs> I'm like, Tony, I know where you live. Right now you live in hell. <laughs> because that's what this is. I landed, uh, I, was, I was in Chicago where it was hot, but it was like 23% humidity on, on uh, Saturday when I played golf there. Landed at DCA yesterday morning, and the cicadas looked like they're the size of like enormous butterflies. Like I mean, maybe uh, on the uh, moving toward the size of birds. It was, it's like ninety-four degrees, seventy percent humidity, and these cicadas are bouncing off the windows of the car yeah. Yeah. that I'm being driven home in. And I'm like, what? What is this? How quickly can I get the hell out of here? <laughs> and I'm gonna. I, I'm literally I, two, four, seventy-two hours max here. I was like, this is this place is crazy, but the the the, the loudness, Tony, the volume of the cicadas. I I guess so the cicadas were here in two thousand four. That's a, that's an Olympic summer. That's Greece. That was Athens. And, right. So and you were not here. Matthew in our lives yet. I went to uh, I went to I was in Europe the whole summer, so right. I missed that one. And that means right. the previous year was like eighty seven. Eighty seven. Right. And I was uh, I spent the whole summer. My da my dad had just passed. And I went back to Chicago and spent the whole summer there. So I, so while I have lived in Washington, technically a resident of, through the last two cicada bombardments, I, I wasn't really around for it. And you know what? I ain't going to be around for this one either. <laughs> so so the, the plumpness of them and the oh, chaotic way God. in which they fly, when they not just fly into your windshield, they fly into you. They land on you. This has happened to me 50 times already. Fly right into you. What do you make of that? Uh, I, I make, I'm getting out of here. It's, it's okay. awful. It's, okay. it, 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 it was just, so yesterday, I didn't go back outside. I didn't, I didn't get out of the car. I would only go get drive-through food. I would not even get out of the car <laughs> to go to Subway to get a sandwich while watching the games yesterday. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We gotta go we gotta go Big Mac meal in the car. We're not getting out of the car. And it's just it's just like seriously? <laughs> like like anybody you I left you I think I left you a message. Anybody here who lives here wants to talk about anybody else's weather and conditions 
atmospheric conditions, cicadas everywhere. So I'm gonna I'll, I'll do the show here That's today fine. and tomorrow, and then sayonara, baby. I'm done. Um, so let, we'll talk about the NBA, but before we get to the NBA, let us talk about the U.S. Women's Open, because I'm happy yeah. to say that you watched it as I watched it. And you know Lexi Thompson, and I do not, and it was a, it was a big-time gag in oh, the back yeah. nine. What would, yeah. How would you describe? And also, you have the benefit of having played the Olympic Club, which I never yeah. have. So talk about that. Well, it's it's just beautiful, Tony. Like all three of the great San Francisco golf courses, um, Olympic Club, San Francisco, and um, oh goodness, where, 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 where Harding Park, and, 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 Harding, and Harding Park, Harding. They're all like on the same plot of land. The water does separate them, but you can see the other courses. You can see them from each other if you're if you got the right vantage point. And um, they're just they're just beautiful and and incredibly difficult um and so yeah tony i mean lexi who was a i mean come on she may be she's the best american golfer now probably i mean probably at this point she may very well be but and yeah, she should have cruised she should have cruised she uh, should have cruised don't even she, she had a five-stroke lead and i was watching i watched all weekend i watched all four days um because there, there, there are people like mel reed who I, I i do actually know um and I I love the event. I I've, I've, I didn't watch any of the men this weekend. I mean, who cares? I mean, they they got a yeah, great weekend right. coming up in two weeks. I didn't watch any of that. Um, but when she had that lead, I was not. I was rooting for her to hold the lead and, and win a uh, and win a major. And um, God, when she got, I mean, when she got late in the round, as you know, like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, they were just some some brutal mistakes. And I, the golf course is difficult. Unlike last week's men's tournament at the Ocean Club in Kiowa, which, you know, I, I just I told you it's, it's got a certain beauty to it and a certain appeal to it, just not to me. Um, Olympic Club has that beauty, and and that is difficult, Tony. There've been men, there've been men's uh, majors there, which Arnold Palmer and I mean the greatest men playing in that time struggled and lost leads and could not close it at Olympic Club. So it comes as no surprise that the courses beat you up, and particularly late. Just listening to the broadcast, I was not a kid who grew up watching all that stuff. I, I know of it now in retrospect. But she, she had Miss Putts. She had a, a, a chip that looked like something that you or I might do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might make. Um, and so there were, I don't know, there were there were at least four opportunities late still to close, missed fairways. That can happen to anybody. So I just feel bad for her. I just felt I, when she was standing there after missing that putt on 18, that would have at least gotten her into that playoff. I just, I just felt bad for her. But Tony, everybody had their moments. Mel Reed shot 67 the first day. I was really excited about that. And then, um, you know, she had a, she had a blow up Saturday. So it, it, it's, it's a difficult, difficult course to play. But at least. It's beautiful, and the setting was beautiful. It looked like the weather was beautiful most of the time. So this uh, is what I wanted to say. The first two or three days when I watched, it was cold, it was foggy, it was tough to see. Yesterday, I don't know if you felt this way, because you've played it, and I never have. That was the greenest course I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. The green was amazingly yeah. green, because yeah, it's well, watered yeah. every day from the marine See, layer. Sure. You know. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tony, it, it, it was, and the time I was there, it was that green. Oh, uh, Harding wow. Park, Harding Park, uh, two years ago, so just before the 19, just before the pandemic, Steph Curry held uh, his charity event, a huge event, uh, in conjunction with the uh, PGA. He held it there and, and asked me to be one of the hosts um, uh, with Amanda Balionis of CBS, and we, we did that. I was honored to be asked, and it was that same sort of green. Oh, and beautiful. you know, you, you now you don't necessarily have to get that every year in San Francisco. God knows there are droughts even in Northern California, and you could get brown. But I, I've not seen it that way. And it, it was, was like beautiful. emerald. You know, it was emerald. It was yes, just, just it really was. to look at. Yeah, it was. Uh, let me get to the NBA. Um, the interesting, most interesting series was the Clippers and the Mavericks. The first six games were won by visiting teams. I felt that the Clippers choked huge in five, but not as much as Dallas choked in six. 
Finally, in seven, a home team won. Doncic had a, a billion points. Doncic is a great, great player. And yet when you and I talk, you are somewhat critical of him, right? Yeah. There's something in, about in the, him. Yeah. Tell people. In the, in the yeah. context, not about him, like in the context, Tony, of, of basketball, I mean, he's 22 years old. He's a baby. So the people who won sooner or as soon as he has uh, or you know, had a chance to do are magic and bird in the modern life. People forget LeBron James did not make the playoffs his first two seasons in the NBA. Didn't make it. So, you know, so Doncic is not to be criticized wildly or loudly or, you know, with some sort of personal dismissal. It's not necessary. As a matter of fact, it would be very unnecessary. But while we praise him about and he's great. He's great. He's a great player now. He's not championship great yet. He's got stuff. And the stuff starts with his temperament. You know, you, you cannot he spends too much time arguing with the officials and the play has moved on. The play has moved back down the court and Doncic is trailing the play by thirty feet. Cause he wants a call. No, dude. No. You've got to get back down the court. Your team plays no defense. You play no defense. Doncic plays no defense. He is in the James Harden 2016 level of no defense. He doesn't even try. So, no, you're not going to win the championship that way. He can't get out the first round. It's two years in a row where they lost to the Clippers in the first round. I, look, I get it. He's, he's spectacular to watch. He also, Tony... You know, his, his instincts are great play-to-play-to-play, to play to play, but, like, the other night, he, he, if he attacked that, that defense a little more and stopped being so passive, Dallas could have still won that game. Um, so, you know, the game at home, game, game six. So there's, there's stuff he's got to do. He's got to get better. They have to get better around him. And I understand why they weren't. Look, Miami and Dallas had they, – they didn't really have a chance to be a great postseason team this year because they were both loading up money to go after Giannis Antetokounmpo, who last summer we thought was going to be a free agent. And they, were, they, they kept their money to go after him. And God knows if you put Antetokounmpo, you put Giannis on a team with either the people they got in Miami or the people they got in Dallas right now, that team is going to be a favorite to win an NBA championship. But then very early on in the season he announced he was – Staying in Milwaukee. So you can't go spend any money then. The season started. But they got to put, they got to put a couple of people around, um, you know, they got to put a couple of people around Doncic, but he's got stuff. He's got stuff he's got to work on, and, and they're, they're not going to get better. And he's going to get better. He's 22. So I expect him. He says the right thing publicly, Tone. You know, oh, I can't behave that way. And he goes right back out and does it again. So, you know, there's a, you know, you know that that's that's sort of a turnoff for me, but I, I love him. Would I want to would I want to build a team around him? Hell yeah! So let me but get to ready. the let me get to the team that you mentioned, Milwaukee. Milwaukee played, and the person that I consider the most valuable player on the team, Milwaukee played, James Harden of the Nets played twenty seconds, and yeah. he left the game, and he's not going to play in game two, and the Nets still won that game, um, and the Nets. Boy, oh boy, I said this to you on the phone last night, and I think you were shocked. I don't like Kyrie Irving personally. Um, he's the best ball handler on a, on a basketball court I've ever seen. That includes Pete Maravich, Ernie DiGregorio, and Steph Curry. He's the best, and it, you know, it includes Harden. He's the best I've ever seen. Kyrie Irving with the ball in his hand at his height, finding a way to get to the basket. How about you? You've thought well, you about left it. Out, you left out the number one guy on my list for ball. Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah right? Thomas. Isaiah Lord Thomas, yeah. yes. Yeah. Hey, look, look, I'm not – if the list is that short, I certainly can't argue with you. I'm not going to – if my list has one guy above Kyrie, you know, yeah. I – you know, I, I, yeah, yes, yes, he's great. He's a I, – I say to Matthew all the time because Kyrie Irving is his – you know, he's in his top five players. And, 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 you know, my son is – you know, he's a – Middle school point guard, but you know his life is about ball handling and point guard play. There's a ball dribbling in our house all at all times, and you know forcing his father to scream out, "Put the damn basketball down!" And it's Kyrie, 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 Kyrie. And my problem with Kyrie is if you are, if you're a wizard with the ball, he's a magician with the ball. Yes. How come your career average for assists is five point seven? Yeah, I, yeah. Why is that? Have. That means you're, you're not willing. 
That, That's you're, right. You're certainly able. I think it's 5.7. I mean, Michael Jordan has essentially the same assist, lifetime assist uh, average. Jordan might be a little. Jordan might be 5.3, and Kyrie might. This year was one of Kyrie's best years. Well, he's playing with Harden. And, he, and, and Harden in his sleep could get you 10. Right. And Kyrie can't get you six because he's not willing. Is it not? Is he so? And yes, we started having this conversation yesterday again. I'm screaming at Matthew. Look at him. Look at him. He's great. Or two days ago, he's great, but he's not. He's, he's not getting his teammates the ball because he doesn't have to. Because he can just finish himself, and, and he's lived like that his whole his whole life. But the the Nets, Tony. I still I picked Milwaukee two days ago before game. Yeah, I got the Nets. I'm gonna stay with them because of Harden being gone. The, the Nets record with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, but not Harden, is something like nine. It's not much. No. Yeah, it's not much. It's not and, much. And Milwaukee played a really stupid game of basketball the other day. And if they don't get any better than that, I would fire their head coach. I would fire him this time. Because don't tell me you have to go five for 30 on three-pointers. You don't have to shoot three-pointers. You've got size Kevin Durant may be long, but you don't have any size necessarily. You're not employing it on the Brooklyn Nets. The Bucks played like idiots, and I'm 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 expecting them tonight. I think game two is tonight to play better, to play smarter. They they do have smart players, and Middleton, and they got Drew Holiday, and they've got they got Lopez. They have the talent. Yes, the talent. First of all, I think Milwaukee led the league in scoring this year. Not. The Nets, I think. So you can score. You don't have to shoot threes. You don't have to go Houston Rockets stupid. Remember when the Rockets in the playoff game a couple of years ago went like 0 for 29? They missed like 29 threes in a row. And, I, and, and every single person who was either covering the game or watching closely was saying, I'm sorry, you can't mix in a layup attempt when you're 0 for 29 but you're still in the game? You're still in the game. Well, the, the, the Bucks did that with, with – with, uh, the uh, the the Nets. Nets two days ago, and so I'm you know I was angry at that because the Bucks still could have won that game. I'm not the Nets won comfortably, but if they're not going to be any smarter than that, then get Milwaukee out too. Let's just go to a round in which you have smarter teams playing against each other. And Tony, I, I look Joel Embiid played, and they, they kicked the Sixers' butts. The Atlanta Hawks are the surprise, the pleasant surprise. Like, if the Boston Celtics are the, oh, my God, they're so much worse than we thought team, it's the, it's the Atlanta Hawks that you can't believe are playing as well as they are in the playoffs. Part, part of that is Nate McMillan. Yeah. A, lot, a big part of that is Nate McMillan. So when everybody said, how could you fire this other guy? Well, look look at the result. They got it right. The result. They got All right, it right, I'll talk yeah. to you later. I'll talk right, to you later. All right, don't. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. When we come back, Jay Billis will join us to talk about the man that recruited him to Duke. Uh, and has announced his impending retirement from Duke, Mike Krzyzewski. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer begins this month, and you know what that means. It's time to save on life insurance. That way you'll have a bigger budget for summer things like pool floats and hard seltzers. Hard seltzers making the copy. Between Father's Day, Flag Day, and National Yo-Yo Day, the month of June has a lot going on. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to yo-yoing. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Because you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You can save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you not for the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is James Mathis, who goes under the stage name of Zoltan. This song is entitled Chief Brothers for the Allman Brothers Band. 
influences and an old Letterman bit, which is Quit Calling Me Chief. You can find more of his music on MySpace. It would be an honor and a pleasure to play in Wilbon sometime, which he has done, uh, as I too live in the beautiful wide expanse between Evanston and Toronto, which makes me laugh. Um, Michael, if people like James Mathis, a.k.a. Zoltan, want to send in original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And by the way, he not only plays in Wilbon, he plays in Jay Billis. And I want to talk about Mike Krzyzewski, but I want to talk about him from your perspective. You know, you knew him when you were a kid, and you know him now as, a, as an adult male, you know, entering middle age. He was very, very young when he recruited you. What were your impressions, if you can remember, when he came to see you? What were your impressions of this guy who was a new coach at Duke 3,000 miles away from where you lived? Yeah, he was. I was 17 when he first started recruiting me, Tony. He was probably 34, I'd say, and uh, yeah. and I had never heard of him when he started recruiting me. He was the least well known and least accomplished of the coaches that I was considering, and and I was choosing a coach, not a school, at that time because I didn't I didn't have a very good relationship with my high school coach, and I didn't want to go through that again. So, uh, who I played for was all I cared about, and and Coach K. Um, had this ability to um, uh, engender trust. I mean, I trusted him from the get-go, and he was really honest and straightforward. And you know, back then, um, yeah, it was it was no internet, obviously, and you did stuff by letters and and real phone calls to your rotary phone, stuff like that. There were no cell phones, and uh, and so we he spent a lot of time traveling out to see you and watch you play and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of coaches would negatively recruit against Duke by saying, well, this guy's never done anything. You know, he's going to get fired. He's not doing well, stuff like that. And they'd also say, if you go to Duke, they're going to make you play, you know, Krzyzewski's going to make you play center for four years. And that's not your position. And I asked him about that. And, and he said, well, I'll, you'll have to do it for a year. He says, we don't have anybody that can do it as well as you. So, so you know, you'll have to do it for a year, but I'll recruit somebody and, and move you back over. And I, I kind of figured that most people, if they, you know, they, they might lie about that altogether and just say, no, I won't do that. And then, uh, and then just stick you in there. I wanted to play in center for four years, by the way, but, but, but at least it, it was straight up, uh, <laughs> it was a straight up deal. So I, I just trusted him right away. So as I said, this is, you're growing up in California, you're going 3000 miles away to an area of the country that I don't know if you know anything about whatsoever and you go there on the trust of this one guy right you go for him yes that was it that was all i you know i i knew duke was a good school when duke started recruiting me i did not know where it was i knew it was in the east and the atlantic coast conference and all that stuff but i didn't know where durham north carolina was or or all that stuff so it was a departure for me and uh and yeah, and it was a, a culture shock but um it was life-changing because of him really and, you know, you think about it, Tony, like the, the, of, the, of the guys that recruited me, I came down to the four coaches I came down to were Ted Owens at Kansas, Lute Olson was at Iowa back then, and Jim Beheim at Syracuse, and then Coach K. And, and you know, most of those, you know, three of those guys, all of them have been to Final Fours and all that stuff, but three of those guys are in the Naismith Hall of Fame. And, uh, and stayed, you know, stayed at their schools. Olsen in Arizona stayed, you know, for a long, long time. And Bayon's still there. And for, for my coach essentially to be where I played for my whole, you know, essentially my whole adult life, I'm 57 right now for the last 40 years. It's crazy. It's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. It's changed my relationship. I think it's made our relationships with all of our teammates better, guys who played after us with the school. Um, it would be totally different. And I've had guys that I've played against, uh, friends of mine had, had said, God, you are so lucky. Like my coach got fired three years after I left you and I don't even interact with my school anymore. You know, stuff like that. So that's been, that's been a pretty, pretty lucky thing. There was, you mentioned the negative recruiting and in the literature of Mike Krzyzewski, there is a lot to do with his early years at Duke and the notion that he was not going to stay there for any great length of time. He does not have a, an Atlantic Coast pedigree. He went to the United States Military Academy. I mean, they could have canned him. Did you worry about that when you agreed to go there? Did you worry that he could be a short-time guy? 
when I agreed to go there, no, because and maybe it was just sort of the arrogance of youth that we thought we were going to go in there and win right away. But when things didn't go well our freshman year and we struggled, um, the, the buzz around the program about his status got worse. And so, you know, there were times where we were, we were, we talked about it. What happens if they fire him? It was a very real possibility to us. Now he says that, that he didn't think it, he knew it wasn't going to happen, that kind of thing, uh, that he trusted Tom Butters, the athletic director and the president and all that, that they weren't going to pull the trigger on him. But, um, but boy, it was a negative feeling around the program. And, uh, and I actually asked my dad, like, you know, if, if they fire him, I'm not leaving. I, I'm not staying here. I'm leaving. And I remember my dad saying, will you just calm down? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Just play. And uh, that's not your area. So, so quit, quit like game planning this and, and just playing. And he was right. I shouldn't have worried about it as much. But, you know, it seems kind of silly now. But they had a, there was a petition that was circling around. I never saw it, but I was told about it by one of the, you know, Booster Club members um, who was a father of a friend of ours. And, and I couldn't believe he actually told us that was going on. You know, we're like, this is our coach. Like, why would you, why would you tell us that? But but it, it was pretty negative the first year, and then then the, my second year we started winning and and uh, and nationally ranked and all that stuff. And it, it sounds crazy now, but a lot of the most of the people that were circulating those petitions and all that are all gone now. But but you know if you tell somebody, hey, you know they were thinking about firing him, they they, they don't believe you. Well, I mean, just, just working on a memory, there's Jay Billis, there's Mark Allery, there's Danny Ferry, there's uh, Johnny Dawkins, there's Tommy Amaker, right? I mean, these are all your teammates. You and them, uh, this pretty pretty formidable squad. Would it, would it, you not agree with that? Yeah, well, well, but that's when we got really good. They didn't know. Our freshman year, we were 11-17. We started like four or five freshmen throughout the season. And that was back, you know, Michael Jordan and Sam Perkins and Kenny Smith, right. all those guys are at Carolina and Len Bias is at Maryland, all that stuff. So it was it was difficult. Ralph Sampson's at, at Virginia. It was <laughs> it was difficult to gain a foothold. But once we did and got really good, um, but you know, Tony, the, the the funny part about it is my, my senior year we went thirty seven and three and lost in the NCAA championship game. And and I I think if I remember right, I don't I don't remember graduating thinking well this is just the beginning i mean this is this, you know people are going to forget this because there's going to be so much greater stuff coming after that i mean i think there was a feeling that that when we lost in the championship game that that we might not have a team that good again and yeah. they, he might have had yeah. six or seven that were that good uh, or better and and won five champion you know he could we should have won they sh- i think they should have won in 1999 i mean he could have eight um, now he could have lost to, to Kentucky and other things that to, to reduce that number, but but if you if you give him the most favorable, um, you, you could you could say he could have eight. You couldn't have. Nobody could have known what he would turn into, what he would be. As you've seen the development over the years, I've got to think that. By the way, coaching the Olympic team has a lot to to do with it a lot to do with his reputation and the goodwill that he engendered over the years but how is has he changed as a man has he changed as a coach have you seen those changes or is this essentially who he was even as a kid and well the the, the value system and the core of him is the same uh but everything else is is way way better um he's a better coach in every way uh he's a better leader uh, he handles situations better. He delegates authority. Um, he's, I think he's learned so much and, and has applied all of that to, to his job. Um, but, but as far as like being the same guy, uh, away from his job, uh, I think he, he strikes the same chord a lot. Um, but I, I don't think you can accomplish what he's accomplished and be, be exactly the same. Uh, and, and I do give credit to, to this factor too, that, I'm, for those that say, hey, he's, he's changed, because um, there are some that say that, I, I don't think it's so much him. I think it's people around him, you know, with the way he gets treated, the way he has to do things now. Um, you know, his first answer used to be yes to everything, and that, that's impossible now, given, you know, sort of who he is and all he has to do. But, but he's still the same really good guy that he's always been, and, and that's a really cool thing. Um, and, but, but, you know, he's not as, 
like when I played for him, I would say volatile is not the right word, but but he 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 would jump on you if you made a mistake. And now he's now he's looking more for what's the right uh, result, what's the right effect of this, rather than because he would blow up pretty good, like in a film session or something, or practice. And uh, and he doesn't do that to the same level, but his his enthusiasm has never waned. And uh, and that that's the most impressive thing to me of all the things that have amazed me about him is that he can, you know, I, I made a joke about him being like the ultimate Sherpa. You know, he keeps climbing Everest and he never gets tired of setting up base camp for each new group. And he, he climbs the mountain with the same vigor and enthusiasm as if it was the first time. And I really believe that's true with each season. Uh, but he can't keep that up forever, and I think that's probably why why he's quitting. Is he, you know, he and his wife want to have a more normal life as as they, uh, you know, their grandparents now and all that stuff. So yeah, that's that's what I want to get to. I used to think that seventy five was ancient, but as I approach it, I don't think it's as ancient anymore. And I've known Mike a long time, not closely, but I've known him all the way back to the days when he coached at Army and came to the College Basketball Writers Luncheon every week in New York City when Jimmy Valvano was coaching Iona and P.J. Carlissimo was coaching Wagner. And these they were kids. I was a kid at the New York Times, long time in the rearview mirror. He doesn't play golf, you know? I mean, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? You know him well. I think he'll do a lot of what he's doing now. He'll continue in, in with with a media presence with not only his radio show, but I imagine a lot of other things that he'll be able to do. He won't be, you know, uh, uh, guys like us that are, are schlepping it every day in the media. But he'll he'll be able to pick spots and do you know fun projects that, that move him. And I think he'll be he'll continue to work for the university in an ambassador role where he can. can advice and, and strategic advice and do the same thing. Administrative. Oh, your phone is breaking up. Your phone's breaking oh, up. I'm sorry, Tony, but he'll, he'll do administrative. You know, he won't do day-to-day stuff. It'll just be kind of the overarching, um, mm. you know, giving advice. Stuff. All right. I made a list of coaches. Great coaches. John Wooden, Dean Smith, Bobby Knight, Denny Crum, Roy Williams, Bill Self, Jim Beheim, John Calipari, Larry Brown, Gary Williams, Jay Wright, Tom Izzo, all great coaches, right? You, you, you would not disagree with any of those. Is there no. one thing that Mike is, that's Mike, that's different from them on some level, or are they all pretty much the same? Well, they've, they've got a lot of the same um, attributes. I mean, you're not going to be successful yeah. in coaching unless you have those, those attributes. But I think he checks, Coach Bay checks the box. And, uh, and his ability to relate and to, to try to feel, and, and he's really good. With ex- you hear a lot of people say, well, this doesn't run anything. I go, well, why don't you try that then? It seems to work pretty well for them. Um, they do run stuff, but he's not, he's, he's not a system guy. He's going to tailor what they do to their personnel. And he keeps changing and evolving. Um, you know, years ago he w- he fought the one and done thing, and then he kind of embraced it and won with it. So he's yeah. he's like yeah. Wooden. Like people used to bag on Wooden, saying, oh, "Of course he won. He had Alcindor and Walton, but he won five without those guys, and he won pressing. He won doing it different ways. And I think Coach Jay is very similar in that he's he's done it in different ways, and he's done it over a longer period of time. Wooden didn't win for thirty five years. He won for for fifteen. Uh, Coach K won for 35 at that level, and that that's hard to fathom when you when you really think about it. It's an astonishing longevity, it really is. Jay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Always, thank you, Tony. Jay Billis, boys and girls, one of the most successful. I mean, I mean, if you look at Duke, that that early class when they went to the finals, I'm probably wrong on this, but I think maybe they lost to Louisville. I think maybe they lost to Louisville in the in the final game, but. Yes, I mean, if you're Jay, you think, well, will Duke ever get there again? And they got there time and time and time again. And the constant, obviously, was Mike Krzyzewski. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Before I get to the new Sunday copy, it's always yeah. great when you get testimonials via text from your friends. So Rob Colpian's been using the Sunday Lawn program, and he says it's looking great. But now... Good. 
to the bugs. Okay. Uh, they want me to talk about my favorite summer backyard activities. Easy. Grilling. We're in grilling season. Last night we just we got home. We threw on some just quick pieces of chicken for a nice easy salad. But there's nothing worse than when you got your grill fired up and boom, sun goes down, bugs come out. Bugs. Yeah, and suddenly your hot dog tastes like harsh chemicals. Now this is just sort of a normal summer season. We're not talking about cicadas because no one can handle that no, in the backyard. No, no. Uh, but you know what's worse than pests in your yard? Poison. Don't worry, Sunday has you covered. Yes, the same guys that made it easy for me to get a healthy green lawn, and, and we are handling that summer heat now, are all are now helping me take care of pests. It's all customized based on your location, delivered straight to your door. Plus, they use better ingredients so you can get back to living your best backyard life without worries. And again, this is particularly important for me as I have two little rugrats running yes. around eating the grass at times. Right, can't have Eating that. the grass. Can't have poison. So we did <laughs> half of this read before, and I told you I've slowly revealed the, the names. So we started with Bug Doom. This is like your general all-purpose barbecue sauce rub. It can pretty much go down for anything. The one that I wanted to tell you about, specific for mosquitoes. How about this? Mosquito Delito. Mosquito oh, Delito. The like that. It deletes the mosquitoes. <laughs> All right, so what I like most about Sunday, right now it's the natural ingredient that's really important for us as the boys are out playing. And uh, what's so great is that they do the same thing that they do with your lawn, which is they, they use the data about your address and what, this, what the soil and the climate is telling them. All right, just type in your address at getsunday.com slash Tony, and they'll figure out what pests are active in your area. Ants, mosquitoes, <laughs> Delito, ticks, cockroaches, they can handle it all, both inside and outside your home. Sunday sends you exactly what you need right to your door with step-by-step -step instructions, so you can't mess it up. Pest control used to involve expensive services and guys in hazmat suits. I've had that. I've had people walking through my yard going somewhere else. Now I can do it all by myself without the scary synthetic pesticides. Sunday's made with better-for-the-planet ingredients like cedar oil, uh, chrysanthemum extract and canola oil so you can manage pests better feel better about it before you pick up the phone and call some service that'll charge you hundreds try Sunday let's Sunday take the guesswork out of controlling pests in your home and yard this summer visit getsunday.com slash Tony to get $10 off your smart pest plan at checkout that's $10 off your custom plan at getsunday.com slash Tony mosquito delito it's a fantastic read you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show Ronnie Newmeyer and Tom Lofgren. It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. The echoes of the birds are all over that. Nigel, before we get to everything, how about the Bethesda bagel ad? Uh, Bethesda bagels, Mr. Tony. We love them. You will as well. We got the bagel sandwiches today, sometimes referred to as egg sandwiches, uh, but they're fantastic either way. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Not going to let the dog lick them like happened to Dini's <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> Just about it for us you today. You still ate the sandwich, though, didn't you? I did. I ate it. I rubbed it clean. <laughs> dog saliva is fine, but before, the dog licks my face all the time. Come on. <laughs> before we get to the mailbag, let me just say Blue Monday. How I hate Blue Monday. Got to work like a slave all day. Here comes Tuesday. All hard Tuesday. I'm so tired. Got no time to play. Here comes Wednesday. I'm beat to my socks. My gal calls. Got to tell her that I'm out because Thursday's a hard working day and Friday I'll get my pay. Who did that song originally? Was that Fats Domino? That's, yeah, I think it's Fats Blue Monday. That's what I'm pulling. Yeah, Blue Monday. That's, that's what I'm, what I'm thinking. From. Yeah. Thanks to our guests today, Andy Byer, Michael Wilbon, and Jay Billis. It's a wonderful day for guests. It really, they were all great. Thanks to our sponsors today, Sunday, Policy Genius, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Uh, from Steve the Sycophant last week, and I should have gotten to it earlier, as we have our barbecues and enjoy the waning of coronavirus. We should note that Armed Forces Day celebrates the men and women wearing the uniform. Veterans Day is for those who have taken off the uniform. And Memorial Day honors the ones who died in uniform. Let us all remember them. It's really good. From Alex Sankey in Cave Creek, Arizona. On a recent show, you talked about how amazing vaccines are. And as we approached Memorial Day, here is a man forgotten to history worth revisiting, Maurice Hillman. Prior to COVID-19 vaccine, the mumps vaccine was the fastest ever developed. 
Whereas the battle against COVID was fought by countless scientists around the world, the mumps vaccine was developed almost exclusively by one person, Maurice Hillman. Hillman produced or improved more than 40 other vaccines over the course of his career, including eight of the 14 routinely given to children. He arguably saved more lives than any other single person in human history. And through his work, Hillman embodied the instincts, drive, and guts it takes to marshal the human body's defenses against the disease. And this was excerpted from WNYC's Radio Lab podcast uh, episode called The Great Vaccinator. I didn't know the name, I'm happy to know it. From Jim McManus, not Gene McManus, in Manhattan Beach, California. I spent quite a bit of time last weekend listening to the top 100 Beatles songs hosted by your boy Peter Asher on the Beatles channel. For song number 59, he noted that he thinks his mother might have helped Paul with the French lyrics for a song Paul was writing. So the Asher family might be partially responsible for your all-time favorite Beatles song. In case you're unaware, he has lots of other great stories to tell. That would be Michelle, the worst song the Beatles ever did. From Dan Walsman in Damascus, Maryland. I just saw Lucas Giolito's TV commercial. Does Brad Hand have a book club commercial yet? Can't wait to see it. From Joe Anderson in Alexandria, Virginia, you can't spell superhero without S-U-R-E-O. <laughs> Wander Swero, get out of here. True. From Jeff Harris in Bend, Oregon, the home of, of Dan Fouts, I almost drove off the road hearing you read Mike Stone's email introducing the Evan Riley Band. I was one of the rank leaders for the University of Wisconsin marching band in the 90s when Mike and his wife Janice were on staff and Evan's drummer Todd was there when I was. David Aldrich moments and connective tissues. Oh my, love what you do. Glad to have a new band to follow. P.S. Tell Michael my lawn looks great and my Subaru probably practically drives itself so I can sip kombucha in peace. From Adam McCracken in Bloomer, Wisconsin. My name is Adam McCracken. I'm an airline pilot for UPS. I was driving into work the other day listening to the Wednesday, May 26th show. So this is from a couple of weeks back when I had my own David Aldridge moment. You read an email from the official ornithologist of the Tony Kornheiser show, Matthew Berg. I immediately thought, I know that guy. I had to do a quick Google search to make sure, but sure enough, it was the same Matthew Berg who was my high school biology teacher from 1997 to 1998. Mr. Berg, as he was known then, was a young, energetic teacher right out of college. He started a biology club. Not only did we do large projects associated with birds, but he also took the club to Montana during the summer to dig dinosaur fossils. In fact, it was on the inaugural trip that I was introduced to my future wife, Tina, along with Mr. Berg taking us hiking on a trail with the most brown bear attacks in the lower 48 and Mr. Berg getting a speeding ticket in Montana where there is no speed limit. It's great to know he's a little. I wish him a hearty lachiserie and hope to see him one day to give him a proper TK salute for his years of great teaching and introducing me to my wife. From John and Linda Cowling in Trenton, Missouri. I think of Trenton as New Jersey, but Trenton, Missouri. My wife, Linda, recently retired after a 28-year career teaching composition and literature classes at the high school and college levels in Trenton, Missouri. I'm taking her on a trip to the Finger Lakes region in New York. Right now, she has no idea where we're going on our trip, which begins June 8th. I would love for her to hear our destination from you, since your voice has annoyed her for years. And we both get ready to go to school, and I have a podcast radio show playing. Also, if you have any places we should visit in the Finger Lakes region, especially the Binghamton area, please indulge us. Thank you for many years of laughter and entertainment. My knowledge of the greater D.C. area politics and news now far exceeds my knowledge of things happening in northern Missouri. So I never thought of Binghamton as in the Finger Lakes area because um, we're not, I think we're a little bit south of the Finger Lakes area. I would say the Finger Lakes area is more around um, Ithaca and Syracuse and Saratoga. Saratoga. You think it goes all the way to Saratoga? So it goes all the way east to Saratoga. Uh, I just know that in Skinny Atlas, New York, which is a very weird sounding name, Skinny Atlas, New York, there used to be a restaurant called The Krebs, K-R-E-B-S which was nationally renowned and maybe even world-renowned. If it is still there, by all means, go. From Andrew in Innisfil, every now and then a brand-new sentence is coined on your show. The other day, I'm sure another was added to the list. Quote, flaming hot spider monkey diarrhea by Leon Harris. How great is that? How great is that? And one more from Sully from Boston, Never Revere. In Tuesday's mailbag, John Hallis in Haines City, Florida, said he had every reason to believe his mom loves him very much, despite not saying yes to letting him play prep school hockey. This is very easy to know. Did she drive a Subaru? If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. Who's your favorite pitcher? My shirt. What's your favorite 
What does Max Scherzer do? Phoenix. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
Small. 